0: Right, y'all. Welcome to Cross Baltic. It's our midweek fix, Pastor Toby Chuck Knox, and I'm the water boy. It's good to be with you. We also have in the studio Dr. Victor Hansen. We're going to be bringing him here in a moment. But before we get there, we actually signed our contract for our Fight Life Feast conference in Knoxville, Tennessee. When is the day? Wait, wait, wait. What did so you say? Knoxville? Eight, Knoxville, Knoxville? Knoxville. Knoxville, Tennessee, October Nashville. 6th through the 8th. So this is actually the first time we're announcing it. Yeah. Mark your calendars, October 6th through the 8th in Knoxville, Tennessee. Excited. we got a great event center there. And Knoxville's actually kind of a pretty cool town. Yeah, nice. So we're moving from Nashville to, to Knoxville. Knoxville. Just, yeah. just a
1: little bit over. You going to yeah. talk about the title of the conference at all? You want to talk about that?
0: Yeah. Oh, oh did, should, we, should we mention title? Mention the yeah, title. Do we, we want to roll that out? No, okay. we'll wait.
1: We'll wait. Okay. We'll okay. roll right, it out. Mind. All
0: right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Theana Money is a
2: podcast exploring what the Bible teaches us about money and finance from a theonomic perspective. Listen and learn what God's law teaches Christians today about how to manage their finances as well as how King Jesus says governments should run their economies. After all, economics comes from the word house law in Greek. Theana Money is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast catchers, you can find links to the Theana Money podcast in our show notes. As Gabe mentioned, we're grateful to have with us on the show today Victor Davis Hansen. He's the Martin and Lily Anderson Senior Fellow in residence in classics and military history at the Hoover Institution, Stanford University, a professor of classics emeritus, California State University, Fresno, and a nationally syndicated columnist for Tribune Media Services. He's written basically for everybody on the planet. Yeah, he's yeah. also except for us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's
2: also the Wayne and Marsha busk distinguished fellow in history at hillsdale college oh. where he teaches each fall semester courses in military history and classical culture uh dr hansen also is a fifth successive generation to live in the same house on his family's farm wow and he was a full-time orchard and vineyard grower from 1980 to 1984 oh, is,
0: there, wow. is, there, is there a little hansen malo that you guys have or a little cabin cab cab sav you know victor cab sav or something <laughs>
3: I don't know, but uh, I'm I'm sitting in a room where my great great grandmother uh, built it. I guess in 1870. Wow, this is old. it's not old for the rest of the country, but out here in California, that's old. Well, yeah. Doctor
2: Hansen, thank you very much for joining us on Cross Politic. Okay, glad to be here. Well, so given uh, the trucker protests in Canada, we saw the last few weeks massive unpopularity of democratic policies and the midterm elections upon us. Do you think the Russian Ukraine situation is being trumped up by Democrats and mainstream media in order to distract us from all the problems at home?
3: I think it depends. I don't I don't want to sound Weasley, but what you mean by Trump now, if it's being used by the media and Democrat democratic operatives to explain away gas prices and inflation, absolutely. And as we know, inflation is from printing $5 trillion of money right. without commensurate growth in population or productivity. So that, and then we were, we were pumping almost 13 million barrels, uh, 14 months ago, and under Biden, we're down to about nine something. So you take three and a half million barrels off the world market at a time of increased demand, and you're going to get high prices and etc. So that's, uh, and the, to blame the economy on something like Ukraine is, is ridiculous. What I think they're doing now is that they have humiliated themselves. And I think it's a little different. I think that Vladimir Putin wants to restore the borders. We all know the Soviet Union. He can't do it really because he's got 100 million less people than the Soviet Union did. And about a third of his territory has disappeared. So he waits there kind of like a lion waiting to pounce. But he can't really unless we help him. And we know when we help him, we cut back on oil or the price rises. He gets rich. We're short. We're desperate. Our economy's in trouble. That happened in 2008 when we had an oil crisis. He went into Georgia. We know that when we appease him, Mm. in other words, we talk tough, Uh, Biden called him a killer. And then he went over and begged and said, please, please pump oil. And please, please, if you're going to hack us, put 16 entities off limits. Just don't hack these. (laughs) So when you combine braggadocio and appeasement, then that, that wets P, uh, Putin's beak the other thing is NATO I mean NATO's got a billion people eight times the economy of Russia but when it starts to fight among itself and it doesn't really know whether it should could maybe maybe not protect uh, itself and when Germany polls Germans poll that they're more fond of Russians than Americans and same mm. as the Turks they're the two biggest country in nato and they sign an oil deal then putin says this nato thing is a joke (laughs) so what he does then in 2008 or 2014 or 2022 he starts to put troops right on the border sort of like putting you know hitting a little eggshell with a, a hammer and see where it cracks and just sits there and said how do you like this and we and then he wants to see an opening, and he's got a lot of openings because the West seems to be weak and disorganized. And so that's the reality. And now Biden knows that their laxity caused this, so now he's overreacting and saying, you know, uh, this is an existential crisis. This is this, this is this. It is a crisis, but… Yeah. He created it, right? Just like Obama created, just like the Bush administration when they were floundering in Iraq created. It.
2: Wow.
1: So, with with the you said the West is weak. With I guess that's kind of focusing here on America. Let's just stay there for a second. Why? What's making us weak ultimately? This Putin? And what is well, it? Certainly seen?
3: not. It's certainly not. Our our population, we have 340 million people almost. It's not our geography. We've got one of the biggest area masses of any country in the world. It's not our natural resources. We've got more gas and oil than any country in the world, apparently. Maybe not in reserve. We have the second largest coal deposits. It's not our educational system, at least at the highest level, because if you look at the top 20 universities rated by the British of all people, Uh, 18 of them are American and five of them are in California. So Mm. we've got everything, but we have the largest uh, and most productive agricultural sector in the world. We're the center of high tech. So why are we so inept? And the answer is that I think that globalization enriched two corridors, the East and West Coast. People had skills that could be globalized, insurance law, finance, tech academia, media, and they wrote off the interior of the country where, you know, people were very important that they were logging, they were farming, they Mm. were grilling, they were muscular labor, and they deprecated that. And that caused a lot of tensions within the country because those countries, if you look at the last 12 or 13 years, their real wages went down. And then you add into the matrix that students owe $1.7 trillion in debt, and it looks like yep. that is a, that's a contributor to marrying later, having very few, if any, children. If you're your first child, I think the the, youth, the average age was twenty eight just twenty years ago, is up to thirty two. Mm. And home ownership has gone down again. And the age when people buy their first home it has gone way into their late thirties, forties. So we we have we have all these problems, but I think it's based on. Uh, the idea that certain people were losers and uh, certain people were winners, and if you look at our media, Wall Street, uh, corporate boardroom, professional sports, entertainment, Hollywood, K through twelve, academia, Silicon Valley, NPR, PBS, CB—they're all—they're all revolutionaries in the sense that they are. Progressive activists and they do, yeah. and they're yet they don't represent the majority of the people. Right. So, there's a tension there that people feel that liberty and freedom are more important than mandated equality. That was something that was not in our experience. That was the French Revolution, not the American Revolution. Yeah. So, yet we feel these postal elites are trying to force it down everybody's throat. Mm.
0: So, when Trump was president in 20, um, uh, well, when he was president, um, you wrote a book, um, basically giving us the metaphor that trump was like chemo he was he was yeah. uh, medicine uh, or a, a harsh medicine it's toxic toxic medicine to, to to the american politic but he was like the kind of medicine that was chemo so it's still yeah it's still dealing with some pro- some bad problems in our country yeah. um is, is part of what's going on do we kind of miss that chemo yeah i
3: guess we do because if you look at all the problems that Either by polls or by just the f- facts of the case, they weren't problems two years ago. We had a basically secure border. We've had 2 million people come in in the last 14 months illegally, right? And in a time of a pandemic without vaccinations or, um, you know, tests, even. And then we you look at Afghanistan, he had a plan to leave about 3,500 people at bagram we, we just spent 400 million on the airways a billion dollars on the embassy we had 80 billion dollars of equipment we gave it all away that wasn't gonna happen under trump uh i think you could look at black unemployment yeah. it was the lowest in history yeah. down to about 5.2 it's actually gone up under biden and while there were racial tensions i think that he was the first republican in my life and i'm registered as an independent that started for the first time to peel away minorities from the democratic party, because he was a populist and he felt comfortable with the middle class. So he kind of destroyed that stereotype of wealthy white guys like Mitt Romney on the golf course. It didn't appeal to right. working class. I guess what I'm saying is he redefined the Republican party as a class party rather than uh, just more white. So a, a lower class, white person i say lower class without deprecation but income wise had more in common with a black person or a brown person vice versa than he did with an elite at stanford Mm. and that was a new revolutionary idea and that had just started to take off and people couldn't believe it and they looked at the polls 45 percent now to 50 percent of hispanics feel more comfortable republicans Black males have gone from about seven, eight percent favorability to Trump, or that we put up to about fifteen percent.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's not it's not definitive yet, but it's starting to. And that was that was something that nobody anticipated. But in foreign policy and energy development, we had a very low inflation, about two percent. We had pretty good growth, two point five percent. It's very hard to see where he went wrong on any major issue, except his chemotherapy bothered a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And they, they reacted anytime he put his fingerprints on an issue, the issue was supposedly tainted. So we had all these elite Republicans, these never Trumpers that suddenly said, oh, my God. Yeah, I can't vote for all the things that I told you for the, my entire life I was for, and I raised money and I shook down donors for because this guy is orange and he's got funny hair and he's got a Queen's accent, got this ugly long tie. I just don't want anything to do. And he—he's my view of a, a an intellectual, mm-hmm. so or a politician. So, and you would you know Trump is what he is. If you try to tell him. You don't really need to say, Anthony, you should fire Anthony Fauci, but you don't need to say that he throws like a girl when he <laughs> picked those a ball. That's not going to that's not going to persuade you.
1: Yeah. Is there anybody you think right now outside of Trump that still might be a form of chemo or maybe an easier form of chemo?
3: You mean that would cut through all of the pathologies we would have? Yeah. Without, make, without making us quite as sick as yeah, the medicine? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well,
3: I think there's a lot of people and. Uh, you've got Governor DeSantis. He's a fighter, it seems like. He's taken yeah. on a lot of people. And he, Pompeo seems like he's really, he just weighed in today about the truckers in Canada. And Tom Cotton has been really good on the woke FBI and Pentagon. Yep. But we don't know because we have to go through this process. If you and I had this conversation in 2016, I might have said, well, I saw Donald Trump on The Apprentice. I don't want that guy as president, but I, my ideal is a ha- hands-on, can-do, working-class governor like Scott Walker. Mm-hmm. But then when they went on the stage, <laughs> yeah. Trump just dominate dominated. Walker. Mm-hmm. Right. He, just, he just melted. So we don't know until they get out there, but I think, you know, you talk to Donald Trump. I know people, I've, I've talked to him a couple of times, and he would tell you that, just as you can't have sunshine without the sun, you can't have Trumpism without Trump. Yeah, yeah. But I think you, I think you can. So, you,
2: you mentioned uh, uh, what's going on with the truckers and Justin Trudeau. I mean, if, if if the Prime Minister of Canada came over for dinner tonight, what would you what would you say to him? <laughs> I'd ta- say, ta- take off that blackface. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's it. Or. Uh, why did you walk out and protest with Antifa and BLM and then you put other people in jail? Right. I guess I'd say to him that you destroyed a tradition that Canadians had that they were freedom-loving people and they'd only invoked martial law two or three times in their history when it was you know, World War II or there was uh, dire straits. But he, uh, he doesn't believe in freedom. He doesn't believe in constitutional government. And he bought into this idea that People like himself on the coast or elites, whether it's in Canada the United States, have some entitlement. They feel they're more articulate. So he thought that he could say to the truckers, you had Confederate flags or you're Nazis or you're racist or this. And he could slur them and smear them and no one in the media would call him out. Nobody did. Mm. And so I... I think those are very dangerous people, these uh, coastal elites that we have. They're never subject to the consequences of their ideology. They they rail about walls on the border, and you go by their homes in the Bay Area. They all have walls. Right. They, they hate teachers' unions. I Excuse me. They love teachers' unions. They hate homeschooling. Right. Yep. They hate charters. Their kids are all in prep school. Right. Yep. And they want energy to be, you know, Stephen Chu said he wanted it to be $9. They're not upset because they don't drive. They live in cities. They're not out driving in Wyoming or Utah or oh. Central Valley of California.
1: Well, why Why is it their hypocrisy doesn't haunt them so that they, it gets them yeah. out of positions of power? Because I've watched this over the last four or four, six years, really. Liberal hypocrisy doesn't seem to matter at all. And they still get in positions where they have the ability to enforce some of these laws on us. And it doesn't make any sense to me.
3: I, I think it goes down to, they don't believe in democracy like we do, our constitution. We believe that we want to appeal to the traditions and customs, religion, common values of the majority of people. Right. They feel they can get power through institutions. So you look at <laughs> how you and I think in this country, we're communicating right now via zoom which is a silicon valley and chinese uh, partially owned but it's left wing our email google or microsoft is left wing yep facebook is left wing google uh apple is left really left wing uh twitter is left wing then you look at the major newspapers new york times chicago tribune la times Washington left wing how about our public isn't that nonpartisan NPR PBS right. very left wing right. and then you say well wait a minute let's look at the corporate boardroom they used know corporate boardroom is yeah. way out there on stakeholder capitalism and all this stuff then you look at Wall Street Wall Street is left wing they out uh, they out they outfunded Hillary by three to one over Trump. She, she raised wow. almost $3 billion. And then you wow. say, well, how about academia? 93% of the recent polls said that professors were Democrats. How about K-12 teachers and the teachers' unions and education departments? How about the NBA? How about the NFL? How about the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show? How about Major League Baseball? How about sitcoms? How about Hollywood movies? So we're in an echo chamber. It's 360 wow. degrees. I don't know why... There are not more leftists because they're basi- <laughs> wow. the left is basically yeah. saying to Americans, listen, we'll make a devil's pact with you. You be for enforced equality of result, large government, let an elite run your lives for you that knows a lot more than you do, and we'll give you insurance. So if you say something stupid about transgenderism, we'll forgive you. If you're Joe Biden and you have a history, a history of racist comments, whether it's the other day, he said, hey, boy, to an African-American professional, he said, junkie, he said, you ain't black, put you all in chains. Barack Obama was the first. White person, uh first articulate African American <laughs> candidate. He said, "I mean, I could go on, but, yeah, but he, yeah. Got, he got an exemption for every one of those." And then right. the same thing with women. If you touch a woman yeah. or you do something, Tara Reid says this about by no matter. Yeah, so that's why it's so attractive to people because the left says to them, enlist, be part of us, and we'll give you an uh, an indemnity policy, and they do. Mm. And I know that a lot of prefer- I know a lot of writers in my business will say. Well, secretly, Victor, uh, everything I wanted Trump did in those four years. But you know, if I say that, then I'm considered a nut, and then I, my book won't be re- yep. won't be reviewed in the New York Times book review, and Amazon will delay my shipments of my book, yep. and yep. New York Times won't put my book in the books. So they do funny things, wow. and they're right; they do. So that's what they've done. They've got control of the institutions of government. I'm not even getting into the bureaucracy. James Comey, John Clapper, right. oh. James Cla- John Brennan, Anthony Fauci, Lois Lerner.
2: But, <sighs> man, oh. Dr. Hanson, uh, you're, you're a history professor, classics professor. Yeah. Um, you know, history repeats itself, or at least it echoes. What, what moment in history do you most think of as you're thinking about the moment we're in right now? Well,
3: there was a two big transitions. One was from a, an agrarian rural Republican Italy into a world empire, and that was around somewhere between 30 BC, and it was finished by about 70 AD. didn't mean that Rome collapsed, but it just meant that its values... Uh, we're so diluted and so spread, and and we're not able to create a uniform culture. And that's something like it's happening, not just the United States, but the world. Mm-hmm. We don't have this, uh, we don't have a shame culture anymore. We're not a religious people. That's happening. But it doesn't mean we're not going to be wealthy and decadent and luxurious and have appetite. The other point that I often think about is that system started to break down in the 5th century AD. and the Roman Empire was confronted with two alternatives. One was to decentralize, incorporate people, not integrate them, not assimilate them, not make them speak Latin. Or the Eastern Empire that was largely Greeks in Byzantium said, you know what? We're going to have an orthodox religion and we're going to stamp out schisms. And maybe that's not liberal, but we're going to get everybody on the Christian page. We're going to have one culture Greek, we're not going to be apologetic, and our capital's at Constantinople, and that Byzantine Empire lasted a 1,000 years, whereas the West broke into the Dark Ages and then what was feudal Europe. And I think we're in that point right now, we're about a large portion of the Western civilization says we have no apologies, we don't have to be perfect to be good, we're better than the alternative. There were certain building blocks of our culture that we're going to honor, uh, family parenthood it's better to have two or three kids if you can and have none these are very controversial things to say <laughs> biology governs your sex not what you construct out of it right. and not to mean that there's not dysphoria but we're, it's not a major epidemic of dysphoria right. biologically right so i think there's a lot of people now that are going to say they are they have so diluted american culture that uh, I'm just going to double down on it and I'm going to kind of, I don't want to have a fight, I'm just going to have a monastery in the mind and how that translates into the real world is you talk to people. I'm always surprised there's people who tell me, I have not been to a Hollywood movie in 10 years because I have not been stepped foot into a military into a theater in five years. I have not watched network television in six years. I have not read the New York Times. Mm-hmm. I do not read the Washington Post. I do not turn on the NBA because uh, I don't want to be yep. lectured sure. to. And they've kind of dropped out of popular culture. Hmm. And they do things like homeschool, or they go, they move to places like Tennessee or Utah yeah, or yeah. Idaho. Idaho, <laughs> Alabama, even. I've talked to a lot of people. I've just talked to some African American people in the Bay Area, and they are all moving back to Alabama. Yep. Uh. Oh. And they say it's safer and people are friendlier and they're nicer and people get along much <laughs> better than they do in
4: the I thought wow.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Back in the
1: Bama. Oh wow. Victor Davis Hansen, sir. Thank you so much for joining us on Cross Politics. I'd love to yeah. have you back anytime yep. we can we can get you. Gabe work that out. Yep. You need to go right now to Amazon and get anything from Victor Davis Hansen. I'm serious. It's really good. I particularly like the Dying Citizen right now. That is a very, very yeah. important book that you need to have. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them until Sunday. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. This
4: is Cross Pop. Me too. When tyrants take over, what's the first thing they do? Disarm. It happened in Russia, China, Germany, and most recently, Afghanistan. Why? Because disarmed people are easier to control. And over the last century and a half, American tyrants have been carrying out a slow, methodical disarmament that no one is talking about. State education. Tyrants know that education is warfare. Our rulers have a vested interest in making you totally harmless. They've got big plans and they don't want you getting in the way. Think about it. Would you rather fight an army decked out with high-powered rifles or a bunch of dinky water pistols? They know that if you can think critically, you're a threat. At New St. Andrews College, we want to graduate men and women who are dangerous. Dangerous to the world, dangerous to the principalities and powers, dangerous to spiritual wickedness in high places. Education can either arm you or disarm you. It can make you a threat or make you a useful idiot. (laughs) So where you get that education counts. Click the link to apply to New St. Andrews College today.